Welcome to the Max Move Theatre and Performance Podcast. Today we chat about four new productions in New York City beyond Broadway. Enjoy the show. Let's start with introductions. Deep, who are you? Hi, I'm Deep, uh, Deep Tran. I'm the associate editor at American Theatre Magazine. And we have a new contributor today, Penny Yay. Maria. Welcome. Who hello, are you? Hello, I'm Penny Maria Jackson. I'm an arts manager, and I'm currently the marketing director at the Apollo Theater. And I'm here as an independent arts enthusiast today. Awesome. Ooh, Wait, did you mention your podcast? Or not your podcast, but your oh, video I series? You said at the end. No, do oh. that now. Okay. <laughs> um, and I am also the co-host of To See or Not to See, produced with my colleague Emily Hawkins. You can Google us and check us out online. And it's a video, video podcast, podcast yeah, yeah. where you review shows. Yeah, we do uh, video reviews. Yeah, it's the two of us. And we just, you know, get down and dirty and tell you our honest opinions. <laughs> They're very entertaining. <laughs> I highly recommend checking them out. You can follow them on Facebook is the best way I've found to follow you mm-hmm. guys. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. And I'm Lindsay from the Max Moo Podcast. And we have quite a lineup of shows to speak about today, starting with three-fifths deep. All right. Okay. This is th- th- this is going to be a journey. So okay, I-, I feel like I need to just lay it through li- in 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 a linear fashion. Yes. Yeah. So three fifths. It's a new immersive e- immersive theater experience created by James Scruggs, whose work I have not seen before, and it's directed by two people, Kareem Fami and T- Tamila Woodard. Uh, oh, sorry if I pr- mispronounce anyone's names. It's currently playing at Three Legged Dog in downtown, and it takes up their entire space. So it's one of the most Im- ambitious things they've ever done. And I think they're still raising money for it. So mm. if you see it and like it, uh, please give them some money. So Three Fifths is a meditation on race in America. So you step into the, the doors of 3LD, and there will be a blind black woman sitting there, and she will ask you what race you want to be for the duration of the experience. So some people who are white will say they're white. Some people who are black will say they're black. But if you're feeling adventurous, <laughs> you can pick a race. I, I feel like in life, I, I, I occupy... Because you, you can only pick white or black. So, mm-hmm. But I occupy... A position somewhere in between and so I decided to just go with black just to like I feel like I would get like a wider like a more like like a more provocative viewpoint if I was black in the play Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was true or not Hmm. but I knew what I was missing out on so yeah that that would be in my next point and so you pick your race and then you go into this carnival called Supremacy Land, where it's the world's most in- uncomfortable carnival because it's all racially charged games that you can play. Like, you can learn how to tie a noose. You can learn, how- learn about lynching facts. Uh, you can ask a black man some questions and touch his hair. And you can... Uh, Get Aryan tattoos. Yeah, get Aryan tattoos. Mm. Though there, though there were some uh, games that were unavailable to me because I was black. I wasn't sure if like white partici- white quote unquote participants would notice that, but that was interesting. No, I did not notice. Yeah, 
yes, there was a little bit of discrimination uh, going on there. So that was. Oh my gosh, I didn't notice my privilege. I was white in the show, this is Penny Maria, and I did not notice my privilege. It's so crazy how that happened. Wow. What? Oh my God. That's, so that's kind oh of my like gosh. A, that's I, like I got the like experience. Now I can understand why white people don't notice their privilege. What games weren't available to you? Um, the, the tattoo game and oh. the, um, the Aryan Hammer. Which, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, like I, I tried to go in there twice and they kept saying, oh, they're not available or the girl would just potentially didn't see me. Oh my goodness. That is like, wow, it's like you were black. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So we're, see, see, we're all learning about privilege. So that's interesting. And then, and so that's the carnival portion. And then the groups, the white and black groups get split off. And the black group, Actually, no. I, I, you know, cut that part out. Uh, okay. And then the third, the third part of this experience is a set-down play in a cabaret space about the backstage drama of Supremacy Land and how the um, the people, the black actors who are in it, they're they're fr- they're freshly released from prison. They can't work anywhere, and so they go to this place that gives them an opportunity to work but at the same time it traps them in there doesn't let them leave and they basically ha- and they basically act out slave narratives all day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i really I, I i can't say i enjoyed this experience i don't think it's one of those times where you ask someone hey hey did you have a good time because i can say i did not have a good time but i think but that's the point because it's it's about where it's about where we are now. And, and it's a bunch of different ideas. It's about the, the racial history of America, the prison industrial complex, the, like the, the racially charged imag- imagery that, we, that are still circling within culture today that we, that we think of as innocuous, but they're actually quite offensive. And I think for them, I, I came in thinking that I would not enjoy it, but be more provoked than I was I think it's be I don't know if it's because I'm just so used to having these conversations and looking at all this on at all this material but I just found it very over the top to the point of numbness like there was one part well like when I was learning how to tie a noose and by the way I got some noose earrings because I just wanted to I was playing along they were they were selling noose merchandise oh my goodness I missed that. <laughs> yeah. So you, you bought for one first. supremacy yeah. dollar because they gave you money at the carnival. For one supremacy dollar, you can buy some noose merch. FYI, and take it home. So that's what. And so when I'm, when I was learning how to tie a noose, and they're talking about lynchings, and then they ask for volunteers, and so they pick two volunteers, one black, one white, and they put the black, they put a giant noose around the black person's neck, and kind of made the white person like tighten it but in a fun way did you you're looking at me like you did not see this i did not see that was that penny and maria and i were there the same night did Mm -hmm. they do that the night we were there no so it was really uncomfortable but the thing is i feel like it was uncomfortable to to detriment of the black performers in the room and the black people in the Mm -hmm. room Mm -hmm. did did you feel like i I wondered that too like i wanted to like stick around at the end and like speak to the black actors and, you know, ask them, how do you do this every day? And you were saying you weren't that affected. I was very affected as a black woman. 
um, just there was one point when they were or actually several points when they were encouraging all of the people with the white markers um, to say the N word. And I was like, oh, that's not okay because people are going to do it in this show and then think that it's all right to do it elsewhere. And who knows what that's going to turn into. And so, and as though, and and I saw a few of the black actors saying, oh, it's all right for in like me, I can't do that, but I understand. And I was like, hmm, how do you do that every night? Right. It's, I think it's, I feel like it was, it was a way to give white people permission to do really shitty things Mm -hmm. and then. And then make them feel comfortable afterwards. Yeah. But for like me as a person of color, like I don't want to do it. And so I didn't. And so like what was what was I supposed to get out of this experience? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I I didn't uh, participate in a lot of things. I observed and watched, you know, how happy uh, a lot of the actual white people were uh, participating in these games. So that made me uh, uncomfortable yeah, just seeing how easily they were able to like step into, you know, this fantasy fantasy land. I was like, you know, it's what they really wanted. So while I think James Scruggs has some, as, as you said, the word you used deep was ambitious, you know, um, plans for this, I'm not sure that it's going to hit home. This is a type of show that really needs uh, some sort of talk back. I mean, it was long enough as is. Goodness, it was three, it was three hours. hours. But, I, you know, maybe they can, you know, shorten, you know, the other things and leave room for a discussion, a community mm-hmm. discussion. I don't know. Perhaps that, that might yeah. help them achieve. That cabaret you know. sequence was way too, that mm-hmm. second half with the straight plate, mm-hmm. it was way too long mm-hmm. and I think way too broadly drawn t- to have a point. They tried to cover a lot. They had they the did. mammy role. The mammy role. Um, yeah. And who, with, with uh, massing. Sim- simulated nudity. Simulated, yeah. Mm. Yeah, fake boobs. Um, trying to feed two kids. Um, two, blo- two white kids. Yeah, two white babies, of course. Um, but they had mass incarceration in the prison mm-hmm. industrial complex. Mm-hmm. They had a dehumanization of black people yeah. For, in- yeah. for modern entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and in, which made me think about, mm-hmm. you know, just like, Black yeah. bodies in sports and yeah. black bodies and yeah. So of there was all there was. It was a lot of stuff, but the thing is, like, it wasn't nuanced enough where mm-hmm. people can actually take that concept, I think, and apply it to mm-hmm. our daily lives. Because I feel like I think about it so much. I'm yes. like, okay, I see this connection. But if you were just a per- white person who wanted to be woke but didn't know how, like, would you get mm. that? Would you get it? Yeah. I was, I was wondering that they uh, sort of uh, hinted at rebellion, but you really didn't see it on stage, um, acted out completely. So that kind of disturbed me a little mm-hmm. bit. I was like, uh, just take it one step further and show them reacting to the manager and overpowering him. Um, they did have the mammy role singing uh, the song. Uh, Nina Simone's uh, Pirate Jenny. Did you get that? Mm-mm. See, mm-hmm. I was like, how many white people know Pirate Jenny and like oh, know, I didn't know the implement? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So, how many people who don't know Nina Simone's work know that Pirate Jenny is about a woman who's working um, in a hotel, being abused by white men, and then finally blowing them up, like plotting to get them back? It's like, okay. I, I knew people missed it. And both right. of you like didn't get that. So right there, that's something else that could have been explored or pointed out. Right. And you just pointed out that there mm-hmm. was also this um, 
this passiveness on the on on the part of the black actors mm-hmm. within the work as a whole, mm-hmm. except for like one or two actors mm-hmm. who really want to get out of supremacy land. But on the whole, like the they've black, accepted it exactly. So yeah. and then at the end, like they finally like break free. But then what is it trying to say? Like black mm-hmm. people. Well, we don't just, see them break free. We see that they're deciding to bond together and attempting to break free. Exactly. But then. What is it saying to black people who are experiencing inequality? Just mm-hmm. like rally against, like you're not doing enough right now. Just rally, and then you, and then we will mm-hmm. come to some sort of catharsis. Because I feel like that's that's what has been happening, but mm-hmm. people are not listening. Yeah, people aren't listening. So it's not simple as simple as oh, I'm a real person. Look at me. It's like people are saying people are saying that. Yeah, but they're not being listened to. So that's part mm-hmm. of the problem. Um, and then just something else I wanted to point out um, that I noticed. Uh, are either one of you aware of Adinkra symbols? So they're, they're West Ghanaian symbols. Um, and a lot of black people here in the New World or in the diaspora um, uh, hold on to these images as, you know, some part, part of their heritage. Um, and so I noticed that a lot of the, tat- the actors, the black actors, had these tattoos on them. So I'm like, okay, oh. so they really know, like, they're trying to explore black culture. So these aren't just like... I don't know. These are black people who are actively interested in their heritage. So that made me want to even further, like, how is this sitting with them? Mm-hmm. Um, just going back to that point and pointing out, you know. Yeah. I, I think I think at the end, if, yeah. if we'd had a sequence, perhaps, where the black performers actually directly talked to the audience about what they had seen, mm-hmm. about, like, what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, mm-hmm. then maybe we'd get mm-hmm. some, cl- some yeah. clarity and some, like, coming together as a community around these issues but that's like oh no we're gonna we're just going to make you feel really uncomfortable and give you these really broad ideas and make you do some really shitty things and then we're just gonna let you go home well what did you think yeah i walked out very unclear what the creators of this what the goals of this piece were. Mm-hmm. I did not know what they were striving to achieve. And I felt like because I didn't understand that, I had a difficult time judging on whether it was an artistic success or not. Mm-hmm. The entire experience was absolutely mortifying. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of sort of conflicting things in my head so one I'm super shy so at a immersive performance I have to really force myself to engage but I've taught myself about what it means to be a good audience member and I strive really hard to be that when I'm at the theater I've also worked my whole life to be an advocate for civil rights and equality. And then were I to encounter these types of scenarios in real life, I hope that my reaction would be to strongly resist. But that is entirely counter to what being a good audience member is. And so I went back and forth between just sort of wanting to cower (laughs) and then forcing myself to engage initially I did not approach any of the booths by the end I went to a couple mostly just out of an obligation like these artists I assume 
want me to participate and they've given me for free I did not pay for my ticket for this they've given me a press ticket so that I can have this experience and you know come back and talk with you all Mm -hmm. and share it so I, I really tried to engage there's a moment that I thought was really interesting in the carnival where they sing the star spangled banner mm-hmm. and that is a song that has a very horrible racist past and it has become a moment for protest um, in particular in connection with sports going back to the olympics in the 1960s and now more recently with colin kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem at football games. And as I stood there, I was already standing when that song began. Some people were seated and they were told by the performer, they were sort of urged, Mm -hmm. forced to stand up. And I thought, I'm not going to sing along. I'm not going to put my hand over my heart. As many people did. I Mm. do not think that is an appropriate way to react to that song Mm -hmm. right now. And I was like... Do I do something further? Do I take a knee? Do I protest in some ways? And I was like, but then you're making this about you. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, antithetical both to my understanding of what it means to be a good audience member and also what it means to be a an ally to the movement, not trying to focus the spotlight on yourself as a white person. So the whole experience was just really, really devastating. And I just didn't feel like it was also that educational. Yeah. It was making a lot of blunt points that I think are pretty, to me, obvious. And I may not be the typical person, but I also don't think that any wildly racist people are showing up at downtown theater exploring what it means to be black in America. They're not coming to this show. (laughs) And, you know, I I observed mostly um, members of the audience who are black get really upset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw a woman's heart to cry and I didn't know how to respond to that and Mm. I didn't do anything. And that was really upsetting and I'm still really upset about it. Um, During the cabaret, a man left Mm -hmm. and he was outside afterwards and he was really upset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I feel so bad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I think, I think it's um, yeah. I mean, well, we're seeing, yeah, how we're reacting to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a black person living here in the States, I really appreciate, you know, that you notice those things and that you're aware because yeah. it's people like you, you know, who um, are aware of these situations, you know, that are making the difference because so many people are not aware at all and don't even care. Yeah, I think that's also get that's what that also gets into like what we what the two of us what we were all wondering mm-hmm. initially, which is like how are black audience supposed to respond to mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, piece? Mm-hmm. Because if it's like I feel like it's an educational experience just mostly for white people. It's, mm-hmm. As a black person, mm-hmm. you're just see, seeing all these white people happily do all these things. Is like why would you go to the theater to do that? That's 
daily life for the most part. Well, well, I did learn something as a black person about the Aryan race. Not that I want to. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that's not why I went. Yeah. But um, the tattoo uh, uh, booth, I learned, you know, that a spider web means that they killed someone. And I learned about like different numbers, like yeah. the, the 14 words yeah. that they were speaking um, to protect white children's future. And I'm like, mm, I know enough about white people. Like, so... <laughs> That, you know, I was like, yeah, it was educational in that aspect. Mm, not, didn't need that. I'm but, clear you're yeah. better off for it. But. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and then, is it something you'd really want to do for three hours? Yeah. No. <laughs> of your, not, of a, your very not at all. Not at all. And also speaking to the education, I don't know if black people were allowed to go into the flip flop booth. Um, but as a white person for that day, I oh, could go I, in I there. tried going in multiple times. And, and they, they didn't let you. Let, they didn't let me in. Interesting. No. Okay. Yeah. So in so that I, booth. So we I'm learned about privilege. Yes. <laughs> so we <laughs> learned some, So in that booth, they asked you, you know, to identify yourself. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a white female. And so, um, but basically what they did was play stories, um, and so they played a story of a black woman and the issue of colorism within the black community and mm. how she dealt with that. And they massage you, not a real massage, but, you know, so basically kind of massaging the story into your muscle memory. So I thought that part was very interesting. Um, I wish I could have seen it. <laughs> but then I don't know what story would they have massaged to you. A white woman's story is supposed to be like yeah. about the opposite of giving yeah. you a different perspective. Yeah. So that was one of the educational moments that I um, thought was good, but... It doesn't make, I don't know how much sense it makes if everyone can't experience, you know, yeah, something. Like I don't know. That. I just don't know how much sense it makes to watch black people put a noose around their neck. Yeah, no, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I, mm-hmm. yeah, there's one, just this one, like, black, black female audience member, and she, she, she was just not having it. She was just asking the, the, the black actress at that booth, oh, your mom must be really proud of you. Oh, no. And, 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 and being the actress and, and knowing that other black people are going to, like, do that to you, it's like... Why would you put them in and that situation? I, actually, I, got, I got dirty looks from the black people who chose to be black for the night. They were like, oh, you don't want to be black? I'm like, I cannot change my, my race. Like, clearly, look at me. I am black. Like, it is, you know, a show people calm down. Um, so that was interesting because they were not having it. They were like, mm, giving me, you know, attitude. See, I was judging all the white people who didn't want to be black. Ah, it's like, oh, you want to take it easy, don't you? Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> did you did you guys notice the woman on stilts who yeah. like cause they had these moments during the show where they or during Supremacy Land where they will pause and there would be a black woman singing or calling to all of the back, black actor or the black uh, workers and they would stop and like seeing kind of I guess they were trying to make it seem like this kind of tribal or native a uh, song that they had within them um, so that was very interesting she was supposed to be the spirit of Yemaya yeah, um, yeah so you know I don't know. It was really interesting that, okay, so at one part, this is deep starting yeah. to talk about this. Yes. They separated the audience and they kept the white people in supremacy land and they took all of the black people into the theater for a different experience. Um, and Yemaya led them on that experience. But I'm like, yes. Yemaya would not lead them on the ex- experience. She would deliver them from it or comfort them during it. So it's interesting, you know, that they had her presence as a black uh, African deity. Uh, for the or Orisha, 
um, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. she's uh, specifically called, um, you know, leading them to this black experience of the Middle Passage. How was that for you guys? So that part was really interesting because for me, it felt like we were within our own group Mm -hmm. and it was such a relief Mm. because there was no acting Mm -hmm. for the white boss yeah and there was a portion that took place in the hallway and we were all very close together and even though it was meant to reflect on what it was like to be transported in a slave ship, obviously that is impossible to replicate. Mm -hmm. But there was just a closeness Mm. and a sort of bond during that moment that was really peaceful. And then we went into the cabaret space first, and it was the only time during the whole night where we saw black joy. Mm. And we danced, and mm. they were welcoming. Mm. They said, welcome home, welcome mm-hmm. home. They gave us water to wipe off the stuff off our foreheads. Oh. And it was a moment of levity and mm. peacefulness, which made the second half of the cabaret all the worse because you mm. kind of let your guard down for a minute. Yes. And then... I remember thinking, for some reason, I thought that maybe this was, we were going to proceed on different tracks now, and this was going to be like, our group was going to get to have this sort of peaceful, fun, joyous second half, and then at some point, I remember I heard the white group coming in, and I just was crushed that they were rejoining us. I was like, oh, no, now we're going back to that dynamic. Yeah, we were coming back to take our power. <laughs> Mind you who's in charge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you think you have your community. Gentrification is coming. Yes. Oh, yes. Just like my neighborhood right now in Harlem. Mm. It's interesting. Um, yeah, but to use the words like black joy and like slavery, all in the same description. Hmm. I I was white, so I stayed in the theater, and I got to see, uh, I I got to enjoy a private dance by one of the black men, Um, and he was playing the part, and then, and actually, they made it like um, the auction block, so, you know, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, it started, yeah, to not go so well, and, and you can see, but the actor was still into it, into it. Oh, the um, audience, the, like. the character, they were looking, they were observing, um, and then uh, the guy started uh, dance. You know, he was dancing around, um, and then the owner of Supremi- Supremacy Land actually snatched off his underwear, so he was completely exposed, and you can see the character like in shock like hey i know i'm signed up to like dance but this is not a part of the agreement but what could he do so i mean we got to see more of that in the back uh end during the second half of the show but yeah that's what happened in supremacy land when the white people stayed it's like i'm wondering it's like i kind of i mean i want to do it again Mm -hmm. but i kind of want to go back and kind of what happens if you like, pu- as an audience member, publicly protest 
the proceedings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do they want you to do yeah. that and do they have a contingency plan if you do that i think they would call they had some nurses m- emotional nurses on hand it's only for white people though uh, uh, oh, okay oh, no, they, they had for them for helpers for black anger oh, they did. oh oh wow yeah interesting okay yeah i mean i mean during the uh anthem i had the same uh kind of response and i just wanted to sing the black national anthem <laughs> i was like i'm just going to start singing and uh, what are they going to do <laughs> use that privilege so, Penny. Use it. <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about that i was like mm, should i just start you know singing some james weldon johnson in here like do we think like the mm. third the cabaret added to anything or do you think we it could have because i was just thinking like going back to going back to Africa and dancing and being free from supremacy land, I feel like that was a really good note to end on. But then mm-hmm. I guess the point is to also tell you that there's no escape. I don't know. I don't know if the third part added to anything for mm-hmm. added anything to the experience for me. I think what the third part was trying to do was to tie the history to the contemporary in terms of the prison industrial complex yeah, yeah, and yeah. the whole sort important. of the lessons from Ava DuVernay's documentary, the 13th and how like that is just modern slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know that. Yes. It was just all too long. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. It was stretched it. out and I was like, I could give me the script. I could cut that. I could cut that. Okay. Don't need that. No. Like, you know, so I definitely saw um, moments for that. And then yeah. that could have been replaced possibly with some of this uh, room for a discussion. You know, maybe that would have helped, mm-hmm. you know, drive home. Whatever point they were trying to make. And then we could have gotten clarification on that point. Uh, so, yeah, that's three-fifths for you. Now for something completely different. Sojourners and her portmanteau. Her, yes. So this is a two-part series. It's going to be a part of a nine-part cycle of the Ufat family. It was written by Mofoniso Udofia and directed by Ed Sylvanus Iskander. And it was produced at New York Theater Workshop. And so these are the first two plays of the cycle that um, are out for everyone in the public to see. So Sojourners, it tells the story. This is when we are first introduced to Abbasiyama Ufat and also Ukpand Ikpeyong. Sorry, well, you know if I'm butchering these names. Um, but basically, uh, these are Nigerian um, immigrants who, well, I guess they came here specifically to for their education to study in school and Abasiyama is already with child and um, her husband Ukpan um, he's kind of experienced experiencing some struggles in his life he's supposed to be in school but he's kind of wayward he's overtaken or as my family would say my family is from the Bahamas um, he's become Americanized <laughs> and he's you know focused on uh, following his passions and I I think Mofoniso specifically refers to um, this play as duty versus desire. 
So we see Abasiyama, like, she's on that duty tip. She's focused on what she came here for. She wants to start her family, and she wants to get her degree, but her husband is struggling with that. Um, So we watch that struggle take place, and there are also other characters. There's Moxie Willis, who's um, an African-American woman who um, needs a little help. Uh, She's kind of working the streets, and uh, she befriends Abasiyama, and Abasiyama is trying to help her get a job, helping her read, and things of that sort. And then there's also this other character, um, Iniabasi Ikpeyong, or is that the right person? No, 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 it's a disciple. Oh, this, yeah, Disciple Ufat. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, I already read that. So um, Disciple Ufat, um, who's also at university, it turns out that he's from Nigeria as well, and he kind of runs into Abasiyama. Um, when she's going into labor and kind of joins Moxie in helping Abasiyama. And they actually start to uh, fight over her because they each want Abasiyama for themselves. They see um, her good spirit and they want that in their lives or need it in their lives, rather. So what did you guys think of this production? I think as a duo of plays, I mean, there's going to be nine, mm-hmm. so we'll rank them in due time. But I think like, compared, to, I, I think I prefer this play to her portmanteau. I feel like it... Oh, I didn't talk about her portmanteau. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I don't know I, how, I was, we, I was how we're going to do talk this. About first. This is fine. I can also discuss her portmanteau. Because so I feel like we're going to spoil this entire play if with Sojourners when yeah. we talk about her portmanteau, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> I know. How are we going to do <laughs> this, Lindsay? <laughs> Uh, however you think is best. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to just stick to, Let's stick sojourners, to sojourners right for now? Just That's a what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Just, okay. I think I. I feel like I, of these two plays, it, it was a more fully formed mm-hmm. idea of what it is to be an immigrant because they, they, they get into a little bit. Uh, the disciples starting trying to write like a, a, doctor, a doctoral thesis on yeah. the history of Nigerian immigration, and, 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 he, and he's not even a doctoral candidate yet. No, so he's he still just, an undergrad, but he's just so focused on trying to you know accomplish his goals that he's already writing his dissertation. Right. Well, and it kind of made me think of um, Danai Guerrero's play that family. was family. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. But oh, that familiar. Was about a, familiar. Familiar. But it was but about it was a, Zimbabwe, yeah, but yeah. not not because like they're both black immigrants, but because it's it's a very specific story mm-hmm. about about African immigration in the 1900s and how because of the economic boom in these countries, like they were able to send their their best and brightest to the U.S. to get educated. But what's very interesting about these particular immigration stories in comparison to like the typical immigrant story of America is like, oh, we're so poor in our homeland. We have to go to America Mm -hmm. and live, and there we we will be free people and be able to live our dreams and be Americans. It's like, it's very, what I loved about Sojourners was it's very particularly, they they were very clear about like how how much they love Nigeria Mm -hmm. and how much they value that heritage and Mm -hmm. how alone they feel. Because I think when you, we don't see a lot of immigrant stories, Mm -hmm. but so, so, and the thing, the ones that we do see are usually about like how fleeing and then prospering in America Mm -hmm. is this Mm -hmm. amazing place that's going to take care of all your, all of your problems. But like they really get in, in Sojourners, they really get into like the loneliness you feel as a new immigrant when you're like the first wave of your people to come here. And the point of the African immigration in 1900s is so they can get educated and come back back home and like, and help their communities. 
And so what happens at the end of Sojourners was Abasiyama and her and her husband Ukpong they they separate Ukpong mm-hmm. goes back to Nigeria and Abasiyama stays in America to finish her degree and that that's how we go into her portmanteau. And critically he takes the baby and he takes and the baby. And critically he takes the baby. I did see the first production at a uh, playwright produced by Playwrights Realm at Playwrights Horizons. Um so I got to see, you know, the differences. Um overall, I mean both both of the productions were good. Uh, this one I was a little distracted uh, by all the background noise. Oh, they God. had some struggles backstage. Oh, God. Yes, they did. <laughs> oh, changing the scenery. Oh, so, yeah, trying to change the scenery. Oh, they were clanging around back there. <laughs> oh, that's it's like so so stage hands yeah. in New York Theater Workshop. You got one job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I also saw the Playwrights Realm production, which okay. I thought was good. I <clears throat> talked about it on this podcast, mm-hmm. in fact, but I actually much prefer mm-hmm. this production. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought that. That they, the way this play is constructed is it's a bunch of scenes that take yeah. place in different locations, yes. and that is a huge directorial and design challenge. Yes. And at Playwrights Horizons, which was the location, they had a single set that revolved, that, that yeah, rotated, kind of yeah. like the sweat set. Yeah, because that's also a rotating set. No. Oh, the new sweat set or the one at the public? Oh, the one at the public. I, I haven't seen the one on Broadway. I can't I remember. I it's, no, this was more compact than that. Okay, it was all. It was like a little. It was like if you can imagine a little house. Yeah, yeah. And like, a, and then it just yeah. would yeah. rotate, and, and there all were the four sides. sides and yeah. so anyway, yeah. and that the set rotated very slowly. And to <laughs> me, you would get this scene happening, and then you'd be like. <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, we had some momentum, but now the scene's changing and mm-hmm. it's like really slow. I thought that they really worked out the transitions yeah, in this New the York Theater Workshop flawed, production yeah. by both mm-hmm. speeding up their turntable mm-hmm. and I loved the music transition. The music I mean, was so, music was so wow. good. It was like all yeah. period. Great. And I yeah. I tweeted at New York Theater Workshop to see if they had a Spotify playlist. And they do. Wow. And I wow. highly recommend it for putting it in your earbuds and walking Ooh, around the city yeah. with it. Because yeah. it is a fantastic mix of mm-hmm. all the best 1970s mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought... I thought it was... I liked this production even though I'd already seen it. I thought it was... Uh, you know, it, they, they had made um, steps forward, and I, mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Well, I liked that they did not use that little um, doll with all the tribal markings on the end I, of this I, production. I, I, what? I, what? So in the in the first production at Playwrights Realm, that was that was a little creepy. I thought, well, I, what, what I, doll are we talking they, about? So fake babies are yes, always creepy. I mean, <laughs> Wait, you can they, see the fake baby with the mark. They kind of had a Lion King moment in the first <laughs> version where they held up the baby at the end. It was, oh, it was so oh that gosh. part. Yeah, uh, no. But I did like that the sets were a little more fleshed out in the playwrights. Uh, oh, Horizons, okay, interesting uh, version. So this set was minimalistic, mm-hmm. um, but it worked well. It wasn't like bad, like uh, color purple minimalistic. This this uh, I thought I thought it was great. The roof was great with the projections, the mm-hmm. lighting. Mm-hmm. Overall, I thought it was designed well. The but the stagehands just need some some work uh, backstage, um, some yeah practice with that. So also, I think they they touched on this um, in Sojourners, and I'll talk about a little bit of, about her, this in her portmanteau. 
but uh freedom is flight there was a whole you know struggle over what to name the baby um abasiyama decided to go with her plan rather than her husband's plan because he was so busy enjoying his freedom and taking flight that he wasn't there to name the baby so she named the babies in god's time which was very i thought it was a good moment when she decided you, you could see the shift that she was like i can no longer rely on him like it's all about you know me and what i'm going to do for my family right um, and i feel like the uh, the ending with the of the realization that she is going to stay in america and like give her and send the baby back home in order to like live her life I feel like it could have been drawn out more it's like one of those rare times where I kind of like you need like an extra 10 minutes just to really go like figure out that rationalization in her head because it happened so quickly for me that when they when she was like okay she's giving the baby time I'm like wait what's happening mm -hmm, what's mm -hmm, happening mm -hmm. oh okay that's happening mm -hmm. um, I, I need I I need I need a little because this character has been so driven by her desire to, you know, like stay stay on her path and to like stay on and to stay on schedule, of like like yeah, just just to to just like do what her mm -hmm. father wanted her to do, and so like to veer off into this completely opposite direction, you just need a little bit more. Mm -hmm development in the mm -hmm. character in mm -hmm. order to, for her to realistically yeah. do that i don't know but i thought you know that kind of showed like how impulsive it was for her because for so long mm -hmm. she was just sticking to that duty even though it was yeah. kind of breaking her um like why was she working nine months pregnant on her feet all day and so i think she just like and was he working he was just running the streets listening to music getting into motown going to rallies and discussions drinking just, yeah. I, and I, I just feel like see, so my problem with the relationship was the fact that like I I, I can I never believed like someone like her would mm -hmm. just let him do that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it just kind of it's like one of those small things that like it's like those small uh, well no, the suspension of disbelief that no uh, no no I think it's also yeah. a, a kind of is it like a, a, a prideful thing? yeah I think it's mm -hmm. also a prideful moment where you don't want to go back home and say this is not working out so I think she was trying to figure out okay how can I you know make it like just get it as close to what it's supposed to be um still trying to respect him as head of household but knowing that she had to count on herself and i think once she came back from the hospital and saw him there she just kind of like lost him was like you know what i'm not putting up this front anymore that's it yeah i think about how rare that was in the mm -hmm. 1970s yeah. for a woman to kick Mm -hmm. a, yeah head of household mm -hmm. out I and think, be like and take the baby yeah i think mm -hmm. in context it mm -hmm. makes a it makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Okay. Her okay. portmanteau. Yes. Her portmanteau. So I actually had to look up uh, what portmanteau was because it's not a word that I use often. <laughs> um, and You're like in marketing. <laughs> yes. You should know all the words. I should. I should. Um, uh, but it's uh, kind of a suitcase or a carry-all. Mm. And so in this show, we jump forward probably like 36 years i mm -hmm. think is the age of the the baby who is now a full-grown woman and so basically uh the child who was raised in nigeria comes to the states um and she's 
she's planning on living with her mom, Abasiyama, in this large house in Boston. Um, we find out that things are not necessarily going to go the way that she planned. Mom, but this story is all about uh, watching that kind of struggle go on. And how do you speak to your mother, who whom you haven't seen in all of these years? And how do you interact with the children that she had here in the States, kind of her whole other family, um, and what that clash is like for cultures within the family. Um, and I actually really enjoyed this production as well. I thought it was very realistic. Um, you know, you see what happens when people come, you know, to the States and they're thinking you're living one sort of way. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, the that's streets not, are not that's paid not with what gold. It's like. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Um, so I thought the uh, actresses and characters worked uh, very well together. Oh, and I also meant to say about Sojourners, I thought the actress who uh, played Abasiyama was just so natural. I didn't even see her trying to act uh, for the most part, which is Yeah, and then great. she comes back in her portmanteau. She was so good. Uh, I have to totally shout her out. Different. In a totally different <laughs> role. Like uh, Her name's like Shanaza Ubuagu. I'm so, so sorry if I mispronounce your name, but I've never seen her on stage mm-hmm. before, and she's mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. because she has a really thick Nigerian accent in Sojourners, yes. and then she go and then she plays like the Americanized daughter of a Basiaba in in her portmanteau, and you cannot tell. Well, and they tried to pad her uh, to make yeah. sure, like so. It was all. Um, I guess they were showing that you know pictures change, and so the whole time the daughter who was in Nigeria was holding on to photos that she had gotten that she dug around on the internet to find of her family. Um, but as they change, you know. Uh, I guess you'll see, or I, I'm losing track of what I'm saying here, but um, <laughs> but it just wasn't as she expected when she got here. So Abasiyama yeah. had, I mean, the daughter had uh, gained weight, the American daughter, and then Abasiyama had lost weight dealing with, spoiler, disciple. So from Sojourners, uh, which I mean, I, I think it was clear that he had some mental issues. Oh, he totally <laughs> um, did. But, you know, I guess it was the only Nigerian person who she like met and who really like he was there for her. And yeah. so she decided to marry him and start this family here in America. Yeah. No, I guess yeah. into the whole immigration thing of like when you're the only two people mm-hmm. of a certain kind mm-hmm. in a certain place, you're just like, you know what? We're just going to stick together. Exactly. It's like, I don't want to care if like you're really inappropriate. You would be inappropriate <laughs> for me back in the old country. Like, we're just going to do this because mm-hmm. I need something familiar. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I just love the beginning scene of her portmanteau where they all arrive in the, in the New York apartment. Mm-hmm. And like, they're not, they're just like talking, but not really saying anything yeah. to each other. And you can see like a, 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 a Daja. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Um, uh, wait, so uh, Ania Bossi. names are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ania Bossi, who's, who was yeah. the daughter, mm-hmm. uh, the Nigerian daughter who was sent back home. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just, like, standing there silent and seething. And you can and you can tell that there's mm-hmm. so many things she wants to say. Exactly. But, like, she doesn't know how to, like... Mm-hmm. Because, like, how do you get through, like, 30 years of just... Yeah. I think it feels like negligence. Exactly. And so that's um, uh, tackled right away. Yeah. And we get to see that whole kind of 
um, taking down of the wall between Abasiyama and the daughter that was sent back to Nigeria. I thought it got a little overdramatic, the crying and hugging moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a bit too much for me, but I understood what they were going for. You know, like, I can't imagine what that would be like, you know. Um, and then also uh, it comes out that um, Ukpan uh, was, you know, Harold Harold him heralding himself as such a wonderful man of course he wouldn't tell his daughter oh i was running around and i left your mom all alone so the whole time the daughter who was in nigeria is you know she doesn't have a great uh view of her mother she thinks her mother just abandoned her that's all she knows so we're watching that struggle watching them Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know get to know each other again and uh, watching the american daughter just like oh trying you know i don't understand any of this i don't understand nigerian what is going on exactly um so i i really did enjoy the production i actually looked it up i i i went to on on mofaniso's website Mm -hmm. afterwards to see like where these two plays fall in the cycle and apparently there's like four other plays between sojourners and her portmanteau that kind of explain Mm -hmm. like like how they get to where they are exactly so i think they're like Mm -hmm. i have i had i have questions Mm -hmm. And I feel like the questions will be answered in time. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. And yeah, this is uh, her portmanteau. It's just all the things that she packed away in her suitcase <laughs> pop back up, and it's time to explore them. Lindsay, what do you think? I loved her portmanteau so oh, much. I thought this was oh, such a beautiful production. The characters here are so rich mm-hmm. and you just, it's like they're a giant knot and you just get to slowly take them apart mm-hmm. and find out who they are and what's motivating them and what their weaknesses are and their strengths. And they're so well crafted and the three actresses just nailed it. Their performances mm. are so strong and you having all this background from sojourners i was just wrapped like what happened in the intervening almost 40 years and i was so excited to hear names that i recognized Mm -hmm. and to find out Mm -hmm. how they had grown and changed and gotten involved with other people i mean it was so fascinating and you're never going to believe me when i say this but i like almost never cry (laughs) but i was like so in tears at the end of her portmanteau that scene really touched me i just and i know i was not the only one in the theater it was like a sniffle mess i got goosebumps i was like that room i mean i just thought it was so powerfully Mm -hmm. executed by these Mm -hmm. actresses Mm -hmm. I really, really mm. loved it. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm glad we all liked it. And a little no, bit, they 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 hint a little bit at what happened in between, which we'll get to see in some of the other plays right. as they come out. But I think Upan, um, he had a moment of redemption when the daughter in Nigeria was pregnant, and her husband or or the person who got her pregnant also uh, ran off. Mm-hmm. Um, Upan, like he was there for her every step of the way, and so he got to make right all the things that he did wrong during right. Abasiyama's pregnancy. Yeah. People are complicated. Mm. They have multitudes. Um, mm-hmm. what I don't, uh, and I think it's, I think the thing is like this, a similar criticism of, um, that I had of Sojourners, which is, I feel like her, her portmanteau is like a blip is short. It's like one, an hour 45. But I feel yeah. like I, I need like, because at the end, yeah. they're, they're sending uh, Ania Abasi back to Nigeria that, and she's not going to stay in America after all. And then, 
it was one of it was it was another, another instance of wait I need more information about what's happening why why yeah, and I feel I, like she's I just way too chill too. about being yeah. sent back to Nigeria because I yeah. thought they said they established her her and her son were going to come to the United States stay in either in Boston mm-hmm. or New York mm-hmm. and try to yeah get and her citizenship back basically and the american daughter was trying to figure out like how you know they could all live in her apartment yeah so it seemed like she was planning on that but the mother really took to heart um the nigerian's daughter daughter's um uh, plan knowing that she did not want to be like her mother in fact the nigerian daughter named her son something that meant i will not forget and so i think that was the most important part and at this moment in time they just could not afford to bring over the son as well i think they Um, talked about way too fast i I think i missed that Mm -hmm. conversation about just lack of Mm -hmm. finances Mm -hmm. Mm. they touched on it a little bit but i think you really need to i was gonna say side note i noticed that uh the american daughter was wearing cole han shoes i was like y'all have no money why are you wearing those expensive shoes dude her apartment has a shitload of pillows like how can can you like how can you afford all those pillows and say you don't have money but you know i mean you know it's all relative yeah i was gonna say that relatively speaking like enough money to set someone up with a new life you know versus pillows being brought you know maybe or bought once or you know once a month or so you know it all evens out i guess uh okay well that <laughs> is still running so i think we have Go three strong it. recommendations for yes. the, those productions it. yeah yeah see it see it in consecutive the, i think they're running it in alternate schedules yeah yeah so but the great thing about sojourner is like you watch it and then you're like oh, wait there's a sequel what happens next it's so, so great i'm so yeah. excited about this woman's work like mm-hmm. that's what i posted on facebook i was like i love it i love the first no. production and now no. I, i'm just eager for yeah. more same it's like she's it's such a she's, it's such a fresh new voice that's mm-hmm. and it's telling stories that we haven't heard before so and these but also familiar stories like yeah, you know yeah. being from an immigrant family and like from Miami like it's full of immigrants like it was just so recognizable and to Mm -hmm. see that on stage like it was just really amazing yeah all right we have one more show to talk about it has unfortunately closed but we wanted to tell you about it it's World Builders A Love Story by Jonna Adams directed by Kelly O'Donnell and it is a two-person play the cast is alicia spillman and august schollenberg this is a play about two individuals who suffer from mental illness which i don't know that we ever get the precise diagnosis but they call them schizo so i'm assuming Mm -hmm. it's schizophrenia Mm -hmm. and they are sitting in the waiting room inside a mental health institution they are have been enrolled in an experimental drug trial that is to take medication that will destroy the fantasy worlds where they spend their time. And there's a male and a female character, roughly the same age. And they have vastly different fantasy worlds. The woman's is this kind of vast multi-world, multi-species universe Universe of characters and the male characters his is a singular room where um women are trapped and they ultimately perish in that space silence of the lambs 
it, it puts a lo- yeah. it puts a lotion on the skin kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 very disturbing. Um, so basically, what you have is these two characters who are in the. They, I, I don't know if they. The woman has definitely been forced to be there. I, I don't. I don't remember. I saw this a little while ago. I don't remember if we actually get the motivation for the man being enrolled in. He the was program. unwillingly compelled. He was okay. So they're both. Uh, they're like pressured by their families to. I, yeah, yeah, I remember that very significantly yeah. with the woman's story. I didn't remember mm-hmm. it in the man's story. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, they love their fantasy worlds and the idea of being quote-unquote cured of this fantasy is very scary and they don't want it to happen but they participate in the study and then slowly their world starts to disappear and that is very tragic for them and simultaneously these two characters build a bond and start to fall in love do we think that's the right way to describe mm-hmm. what's yeah, happening yeah okay. yeah now that they have the, the ability to access their human emotions because of this drug trial yeah they yeah. start to form this bond and then there's the question at the end of the play having been quote-unquote cured of how they will proceed with the rest of their lives will they return to their separate cities and continue taking this medication and continue to be excluded from their fantasy world or may they be in the same location should they both continue taking the medication should maybe one of them go off and the other stay on and that is uh the conflict that we are somewhat left with in the end they 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 make an initial decision I believe that he will take the medication and she will not, and they will return to the same city. Do I have the conclusion? Yeah, right? like they're going to move in together. Yeah. Okay. And but, lie to their families together. Yes. <laughs> so this is, you know, a pretty rough play to sit through. And people walked out during it. Some oh. people who were super rude. Those people, it was their issue, not the plays. I mean, those people were so rude. It is a rough play to sit through. I thought it had real moments of beauty. I thought it tackled a very important issue. One that I, this is not a form of mental illness that I'm super familiar with. So I don't really bring anything to the play in terms of my outside experience. I was blown away by August Schollenberg's performance. I have met him before. I've seen plays written by him before. I know, oh, I don't think I mentioned this is by Flux Theater Ensemble. Sorry about that. Um, I know he is one of the founding members of Flux. I respect him a lot. We'll get to this in a minute, but he works at TCG and he does great work there. Like many, many things to praise about this man. I had no idea he was this caliber of actor. I thought it was so good. I was really, there were moments of which I was very moved. There were also moments of which I wasn't paying that close of attention um, so what Thank did you, you guys think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little uh, similar to that. Um, yeah, he was really into his like world. I was just like, okay. I I paid close attention uh, to him. Um, I also thought uh, writing-wise, I just loved how beautiful uh, the female character's world was and how, you know, it had so much depth. And 
it was interesting um, that they had to, or they were being forced to take this medicine and get rid of these worlds. Because I was like, wait a minute, this sounds like something I would watch on the big screen. Like, why is she not being allowed to, you know, create that? I don't know if she would want to. Like, you know, who knows what these problems, you know. Um, but you know, down. exactly. Write that down and then turn into like a box. Like, you don't have it. to leave it. It's yeah. Oh god. Um, and uh, I like that we uh, we start out with them like not necessarily trusting each other, but kind kind of having to lean on one another and then this romance develops and then it comes to the point of self-sacrifice and they're both willing to sacrifice for each other which was uh really sweet they've gone through this uh experiment together and uh yeah i think they decide that they will let her have her world because his world is so dark and i mean just really sad I think he's a serial killer, but yeah, yeah. like it's kind of serial. Okay, so it's complicated. You don't really know. He's right? like because he's watching. I, I mean, it's totally he's watching. Unclear. Yeah, and, he, and they know like that he's what there. the right outcome in this play is. I think it's totally unclear whether the decisions they're making are good or bad decisions. Yeah. I, why, uh, why? Why do they need to go out for medicine? But go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is kind of like this is. This play has the same issue that annoyed me with Next to Normal, which is another work about mm. mental illness. It. And in that it's it not trivializes, it makes mental illness into a whimsical condition mm. where you can choose to opt out of taking medication and you'll and you're and you will still be a functioning individual with some eccentricities and some very colorful inner life. And it's completely okay that you can. That you don't sleep for two days because you, no, not 10 days. You don't sleep for 10 days because you're so obsessed with this inner world that you've built in your head. Like, that's not okay. You should get treatment for that. And I don't understand the message of this play in trivializing not taking your medication. I have people in my family with mental illness and it is not pleasant mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when they da- and when they get to the point where they're damaging themselves, it is also it is like what well, is tragic. It's not something that you laugh off and think that taking your medication is not an option. Which is part of the reason why I think why they decided, or it was written, that she could not take her medicine because she hadn't gotten that bad. He was the one who had to be hospitalized for not sleeping for 10 days. I guess that was the I writer guess, but then trying she to... Might, the thing is, she, she, at the end of it, she talks about how, oh, like, I might kill myself because of my world. And it's like... If you're talking like that, maybe you need to take your medicine. See, I did not take her decision lightly. I didn't Mm -hmm. think the play was trivializing it. I thought it was very open to the interpretation that this is a disaster that's happening before our eyes. Like this could go very, very badly. And this is a mistake that's being made. But I share that critique of next to normal and dear Evan Hansen. I do not like the way that play addresses mental illness at all. Yeah. uses Mm -hmm. suicide as a jumping off point for someone else's story. Yeah. Yeah. And he just doesn't (laughs) take his medication and like, well, no biggie. Yeah. So anyway, Yes, we're, we're, we're realists here at the Maximu podcast. <laughs> no, but I, oh, and I will say, conflict of interest wise, that I work with Gus at TCG. He works mm-hmm. in, and I, Gus, you're an awesome actor. I'm sorry I don't like your play. <laughs> I think you're amazing, but I also think that 
he's because his oh my god it was so it was so disturbing like his his character's fantasy world is him watching women die in a hole it's so dark yeah and so i feel like if you meet a man and that's his inner life i don't think that's a man you want to go home to Seattle with. Exactly. I'm not taking medication. When they were debating uh, him going off his medication, I was like, girl, why would you want to be in his mind in the hole? Like, that was horrible. Um, But also, I just thought it went on a little bit too long. He's a serial killer. He's going to kill you. Um, There's a real life life hole in there. And you're going to be in there. (laughs) So I thought there was room um, to cut this show as well. Um, And I think, I feel like the music cues kind of made me feel like it, the play was endorsing them mm. not taking their medics medicine. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's part of why I said I don't come to this play with any knowledge about schizophrenia because mm-hmm. I feel like it is possible if you are a person with a real expertise to view this play very differently. Yes. Maybe yes. more positively, maybe more negatively. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Do we have anything coming up that we're looking forward to? I just flipped through my calendar. I literally don't have another piece of theater on my calendar for all of May. And that makes me very happy because I've been feeling a lot of animosity towards the theater. Oh, wow. Ooh, talk about that, Lindsay. Mm. It just sometimes it's just so demanding. You have to show up. You have to be there in person. You have to be quiet. I feel like playwrights are tricking me into seeing plays with about white people problems and not telling me it's about white people problems. Mm. That's making me angry. I don't think they're tricking you. I Maybe think I'm just that's not. just the assumption. That is, <laughs> this is America, as we spoke about earlier. That is what you get. If you happen to get a beautiful story about a black immigrant family, then, hey, that's a little sprinkle on top of the Sunday. But don't expect that on a regular basis. I, I'm trying to avoid it. I, 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 I said it at the end of last year's Maximu podcast. I'm going to try to avoid those plays. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's, there's, there's a writer that you should know and whose plays you should see. And then so I go there not knowing what the play's about. And I'm like, oh, my God, what, what did I do to myself? Mm-hmm. Why are, am I still here? Are you talking about something specifically? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I am. But, I'm, but you know, I, should, I shouldn't subtweet people. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's turn this podcast <laughs> off so you can tell us. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. Oh, do, do you have anything to be here? Um, no, I'm just going to, I'm actually going to Spain. So I'm trying to plan that trip. Um, and then when I get back, I'll just see what shows, you know, happen to fall into my lap. Awesome. Oh, and I'm going to see, uh, Diane Weiss do happy days at New York, uh, theater for a new city. I didn't know. Sorry. Theater for a new audience. Theater for a new audience. And I haven't seen that Beckett play before. And apparently it's a very physical performance from her. So I'm very excited Mm. about that. And uh, and I'm gonna, going to be at the TCG conference in Portland. So if you we have any maximum listeners in Portland, I'm, Portland, Oregon, oh, Portland, Oregon, I'm Fine. yeah, I'm hit you up. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Okay, <laughs> now officially, thank you both for being yes. here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us all on Twitter. Maximu is at Maximu. Penny Maria is at Penny Maria. Deep is at Deep Thought. And I am at Lindsay Barons. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. We'll be back in June with our June preview. See you then. Folio.
Theatrical media.